Thanks so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. Please take a moment, email us at mystory@cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Why don't you take your Bibles out? Everybody get your Bibles out. Turn them on. Get them out. Maybe you're old school. Any old school, you got the book in your hand. Anybody? Hold up in the air. Anybody got the real Bible? <laughs> Look at my real Bible people. Who are more tech people? Hold your iPhone up. Oh, my gosh. That's just, I don't know. I'm just glad you, I'm just glad you got a Bible. If you would, let's do something really cool, okay? Something that, that is old tradition. This is something very important. If you've never done this before, this is something that's, that has a lot of meaning behind it. We're going to read uh, Luke chapter 2, the very beginning, the story about Jesus. And uh, to do that, I need you to stand to your feet. Everybody get up. Everybody can't get up, that's okay. If you're pregnant and you need to sit down, that, that's okay. Stay seated. If you look pregnant, you have no excuses. If you're a man, <laughs> if you're a man and you look pregnant, that's no excuse. You've got to stand up. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Let's uh, open your Bibles, look at it. I'm reading now the New King James. We can all follow together, okay? And uh, this, is, this is very important. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone in his own city, Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them. In the end, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Can I hear an amen? amen? A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see the things that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled 
at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the, shepherd, then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Before you see it, turn to three people and say, Merry Christmas. You may be seated. You may be seated. Sit down. You're cutting into my preaching time. Come on, people. What's wrong with y'all? Hey, it is Christmas season, and I don't know how you feel about that. It kind of sneaks up on you. It's amazing when, <laughs> it's amazing when, uh, when uh, Halloween gets here, and you think, man, we're in the holidays, and, and it's just uh, Christmas. It'll be here soon, and the next thing you know, it's here. Uh, it is here, and this year, we want to celebrate in church the heart of Christmas. And in your seat, you have a really cool handout that we want to give you. On our Christmas Eve Eve service, we're going to Tidings Auditorium, okay? It's not Christmas Eve. We're going to do it Christmas Eve Eve. We have a concert. We have a candlelight service. It's going to be fantastic. We want you to invite folks, okay? We're not asking them to join a church. We just want them to come celebrate the birth of the Messiah, the, of Jesus Christ. And this is a great opportunity for invite somebody. It's going to be great. But then uh, Christmas Day, we're going to do Christmas on the go, Christmas at home. And you will be instructed about how at home you can pull up your smart device and you can watch the Christmas service. We have some really cool testimonies that happened in 2016 and how we want to share them with our church, the testimonies about some things that have happened. That if we're not careful, we're going to skip right over it and not know what God did this year. And so get, get ready for our Christmas message that won't be here we're all ha we're having church at your house. Yeah, it's just you and your family, okay? Don't worry about it. You don't have to clean up for everybody. But in this Christmas story today, I thought it'd be great if we started off and we set our hearts right about what Christmas means as far as Jesus being born. And, and I want to continue the story today. In, in Luke chapter 2, you're right there already. And I want to teach today about Simeon. And in verse 25, this amazing story starts about a man who few people know about. And the details of the beginning of this is, is so cool. And it's this man who was given a promise. And to not give everything away today, I want to show you the heart of the story of Simeon. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says this. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord, the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, this was Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which have been prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rise of the fall of the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Uh, in, in, my, in my preparation for Christmas, I, I wanted to get to the story of Simeon at the beginning. Because it's the story that, that's Christmas, and yet it can be so skipped over. And it's a, it's a pretty amazing story. Let me, let me kind of give you the back story, the, the Ty Bean story behind this. is You've got this man uh, who spent his life being devout, uh, just, and taking care of the c- consoling, if you will, the people of Israel. Now, consoling is a very pow- powerful word. In it, we see uh, it was described that he had consolation for Israel. Consoling is this moment that you've got a group of people who have been through a lot. They've experienced a lot, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of disappointment. Some of their own problems is the problems that they've put on themselves. There's a lot of things that they have experienced in life that he has been a good man to walk them through some tough times. You would have liked Simeon. He would have been one of those cool old men in your life that you just would have had great respect for him. At any point, you could have just turned to him and there would have been a smile on his face. There would have been wisdom on his lips. There would have been something about him that you would have loved about this old-timer. What made it even great was he just wasn't some old-timer hanging out at the bar, some old-timer hanging out at work, some old-timer hanging out at the, you know, different places. This was an old-timer hanging out at church, which made him even more special. It wasn't just like some old guy that was just going to give you an old story, fill your ears full of junk, and then all of a sudden you find yourself walking away thinking, that was a great story, but what the heck was he talking about? You know, you got people like that in your life too. This is an old-timer that when you walked into the room, he had such a spirit of God about him. He had presence of God all over him. In the definition describing the Simeon, uh, it, it, it makes several points that the Holy Spirit was with him, the Holy Spirit was instructing him. And so you, you, this was the old timer that you would have turned to him and said, you know, my life is better because he's in my life. Um, even with this type of anointing, if you will, I, I kind of get the sense that he was ready to just go home. There's going to be times in your life that you're just done, that you're just through. Um, you can be eight years old and go to school, and you're, you, <laughs> when summer rolls around, you're so glad summer's there, and, and there's some point right before Christmas break that you say, Mom, I am not going back to school. I am done. I am done. You can be 18 years old and graduate and turn to everybody and say, I am done. I'm done. There, there's, a point, there's a point in life where you just get to the point and go, I am done. And, and for a lot of us, that's kind of where we're at, and that's kind of what I wanted to stir up. If we carry in our hearts that I am done mentality, I'm married, we're staying married, but honestly, our marriage is done. I mean, really, we're, she stays in her room, I'm in my room. Maybe you're in college, you're in college, and you're just looking at pulling the ripcord. You're done, you're done. Maybe you're in life, and you're like, Jesus, come now. I, I remember, I've walked through many in, uh, 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 final days of, of, of older people's lives, and and I've also, you know, seen the transmission, trans- transmission. I've seen the transition from, from this world to the next. I've also been with those old timers that they, it wasn't time for them to go, but you can see they were done. And I said, what do you want to pray? What do you want to pray about? You want to pray for your health? You want to pray for your healing? And they look at me and they go, no, just pray that Jesus takes me now. And I'm like, but you're 40. I mean, but, but you... 
You're, you're 40 years old. What are you, what are you talking about? And, and, and we all know what it feels like to be done in, 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 a, in a comical sense, in a very serious sense. And, and the funny thing about this is that even though he had reached the age and he was done, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I'm not done with you yet. And that's the first thing I want you to see. And in verse 26, it says it so good. And it had been revealed to him. That's a powerful word. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. A lot of people can show you things. A lot of people can reveal stuff to you. But when you're revealed something by the Holy Spirit of God, that's as good as it gets. That's nothing better than that. That he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so this is a specific thing. Simeon, you are not going to leave this earth until you see the Lord's Christ, until you see my Christ, until you see the Messiah. I think it's really important to take a look here that we have this moment where the Holy Spirit is encouraging. This Holy Spirit has put a purpose in the heart. And I would turn to you and say the same thing. Before you're done, I think before you leave this earth, Christmas in this story reminds us that God may not be done with you just yet. God's not done with your marriage. God's not done with your kids. God's not done with your testimony. You're right in the smack dab middle of a test, and God's not done. We got to get through this test before you call it quits. God's not done. He puts something in your heart. And verse 27 is just as important about what the Holy Spirit. And so one day he woke and he came by, he came by the, Holy, the Spirit of God into the temple. And so it's this moment to where I, it just, this excites me. Because I grew up growing and speaking with the people that talked about being spirit-filled. Our church was spirit-filled growing up. But people talked about how you had to be spirit-filled, that, that you know, it, we're spirit-filled believers. And, and I was always the kid growing up going, it must be important. Being spirit-filled must be important. And, and, and I grew up and I realized, you know what? Being spirit-filled isn't near as important as being spirit-led. And by everybody in the church that you would turn and say, well, Ty, whoa, 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 whoa. The Bible even says that they were filled by the Spirit. I would go, you know what? I grew up with the people that bragged so much about being Spirit-filled, and they didn't go anywhere God told them to go. They didn't do anything God told them to do. They always had bitterness in their heart. They were the most crankiest Christians to live around, but they bragged constantly how they were Spirit-filled. And I said, bull crud. Because I got to be around people who were Spirit-led. And it's amazing how when you're Spirit-led, how it started by being Spirit-filled. And the people who are really going, and, and, and they don't want to go. Nothing's in them that wants to go. I would rather stay at home. I would rather be here. I would rather do nothing. But they, they feel the Spirit of God stirring inside of them. Something has to be said about those who are Spirit-led. About Spirit-led people. And, and I have so much respect for someone who will say, I know what I want, but I, I also know what God wants me to do. And I will go where you want me to go. I will say what you want me to say. And to me, a Spirit-led person is the definition of a spirit-filled person. So don't give me this hogwash about this church being better and this pastor being better. I would turn and say, I respect everyone who would turn and say, I will go where he wants me to go. I will say what he wants me to say. I will stay here if he wants me to stay here. God, whatever you want. In this case, he turned in the Holy Spirit revealed to him, before you die, you are going to see the Lord's Christ. And one day he got woken up by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit led him to the temple and there he saw the very thing that was in his heart. Who knows? Who knows how long he carried this? But it speaks for everybody in this room 
that God is asking you to reposition your life. Let me just preach for a minute. Let me just, let me just kind of tell a, re, re, a kind of story behind the story. You have this guy who is willing to wait, but now he's willing to be led. And there's going to be a time in your life that he's asking you to reposition your life. And reposition is this moment of I was perfectly fine here, but now God wants me here and I'm going not because I know the way, not because I have everything figured out, not because everything's paid for, not because everything's just hunky-dory. That's a cool little word, hunky-dory. But because he said, go. And when that happens, repositioning is a powerful moment. In this, in this moment, not only is it repositioning his life, but do you realize that this moment of Scripture is repositioning the entire world? At one time, the message was only heard by the Jews. But with the repositioning of God's word, he is now coming to be and live with us, Jesus the Messiah. It's repositioning everything we know about relationship with God to where if you're in this room and you're a Jew, Jewish heritage, Jewish background, uh, that's something pretty amazing to be said. But I'll bet the majority of the people in this room are a bunch of Gentile heathens, in which I, that'd be me, okay? And this is the part that we got included in salvation's plan. And the whole repositioning took place. Do you know that in your life, that's where some of the greatest testimonies come from is when you were willing to be repositioned in your faith, repositioned in your choices, repositioned in your stance, repositioned in your location. And this is a story that reminds us, this is time of year that we set in our heart, God, it's not what I want, it's whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think it's cool to check out that you're gonna go through seasons in your life. And if you're not careful, you'll get stuck in one season and not be ready for the season that God's got you in. If you constantly stay in the harvest season and you want to stay in the harvest season and God moves you to the seed sowing season, you'll miss the harvest season to come because you were staying in the harvest season before when God has you in the season to sow right now. What you may do today becomes a harvest tomorrow, but you have to know the season you're in. As a dad, we're going through a little bit of an argument in our family right now. Heather is the greatest mother ever, okay? And now, I know you would tell me different. Your, your mom's in the room, and that's cool. But she's listening outside, so I have to say it, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you why I have so such high respect for Heather when it comes to being a mother or a wife, okay? Heather absolutely adores her boys, all three of us, okay? And... <laughs> And she, she loves, loves Christmas. Heather has reached that point in life to where she is a grown woman. She can go buy whatever she wants. We don't need to get her anything. Why would you want to get me a gift when I can go get it myself and get what I want? And that's Heather's attitude towards Christmas, okay? But her joy really comes from getting us what we, uh, what we want. And so Heather and I had this big conversation the other day and, and Heather, here's Heather's idea of the perfect Christmas. She wants to get our kids what they want, okay? She wants to go get the junk gifts like video games and toys and, and all this stuff because here, this is her idea of Christmas. 
She wants to wake up and little boys run to the tree, open up their gift, and it be a video game that they go, yes! Okay, this, her joy is their excitement, okay? She loves to hear, you're the greatest mom ever! Okay, can, can you hear me? Anybody else feel the same way? Okay, well, I sat down with Heather the other day, and I said, doggone it, honey, listen. We, their whole life, we've got them what they wanted. We've got them what they wanted. We got them what, and, and, and they love Christmas because we've got them what they wanted. But Brady is 13 years old now, and I want to get him what he needs. Come on, y'all having this fight too? Come on. And so I turned, I said, we need to get him what he needs. And she goes, well, what does he need? And which I told her, there's this shotgun. No, seriously, no, no, no. How come I just hear women laughing and no men are laughing? Come on, guys, let me preach to you right now. Can I get every guy? Every guy, stay focused. I and, and she started laughing too, just like that. And I said, no, listen to me. Listen, he's 13 years old, and you want to get him a video game. It's ridiculous. Let's get him what he needs, okay? Not what he wants. Let's get him what he needs. And he needs, 13 years old, he needs a youth model. 20 gauge, automatic, okay, with a barrel that he can shoot steel shot or lead shot in because that's the kind of thing that when he turns around every year he uses it and every year he uses it and every year he uses it. 40 years from now, he will turn around and go, oh my gosh, thank God my parents didn't get me a video game, but they actually got me something that I needed. Oh my gosh, there you go. Yes, in which Heather turns and says, can you envision it, Brady running down the hallway, getting to the tree and unwrapping a shotgun? I said, yes. Yes, I can. Yes, I, yes, I totally can. I can see it right now. In fact, let's get him a shotgun and I'll show you how it would work as I open the present. And you can see the face in me. Let me tell you, here's another thing. She said, okay, well, what else are we going to get him? I said, well, we're on this, okay? Something else he needs. He needs an Orvis nine-foot uh, five-weight fly rod. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because he's 13 years old, and he's not, he'll use this for the rest of his life. Now, men, can, can you can you get at least give me one big amen for what I'm preaching? Okay, yeah. And the ladies are in this room going, you guys are so dumb. And we're going, no, no, we're mature. <laughs> this time we are, at least this time we are. If we can sit here and have this debate over what someone wants and what they need, what if we want according to our faith, something that we want versus what God knows that we need. And Simeon is this moment for everyone of our faith to look and say, do you want what you want or are you ready for me to give you what you need? And Simeon turns and says, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Spirit, lead me, and he says, I'm going to show you the Christ. I'm going to show you the, 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 the Messiah. Now come with me. Let's go to the temple. And sometimes to reposition ourselves is this moment that God takes us not where we want to go, 
but he takes us where we need to go. For somebody in this room, the Holy Spirit wants to do that in you. Maybe it's with the thoughts, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Maybe it's with your heart. Maybe it's your decisions. Maybe it's your mouth. Maybe it's your treasure. But where does God want to reposition you? Not by what you want, but the needs change, and it changes your faith. But the key ingredient is, do you trust that the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, and this is a great scripture memory verse, if you will, this could, be, this could be your study this week as it instructs us and guides us about what the Holy Spirit does with our faith. And it says this, however, we speak wisdom, now that's a good thing, among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a Mystery. Everybody say mystery. The reason why mystery is so important is because sometimes following God feels like a mystery. Where is God going? What does he want me to do? I don't know what to do next. And I would turn to you and say, maybe this is a moment where the mystery would be, what do you want me to do? Could be the start of something new in your faith. The mystery being revealed. How is the mystery being revealed? The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For they had known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, which means this, they missed Jesus because they didn't allow the Holy Spirit to change their position. They stayed where they stayed and they weren't able to see what God wanted to show them because they stayed the same. And a lot of your faith growth is going to be taking place because of the repositioning of your life by, listen closely, the Holy Spirit. And that's the story here. Now it gets better. Look at verse 9. But as this is written, this is, this is so cool. Think about this. I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of Men, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You can't dream big enough. You can't think large enough. You can't come up, create big enough. In comparison, what God wants to do in you. But you've got to let him do what he wants to do. It keeps going. Check this out. Verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. What brings out the deep things of God? The Spirit of God. And that's what we see in this Christmas story, is that God revealed something so miraculous that Simeon would have never seen if he didn't let the Holy Spirit show him. Verse 11, for what man knows, it's questions, for what man knows the things of a man, except the spirit of the man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Remember that word a minute ago, deep, the deep things? No one knows the heart of God but the spirit of God. You will never know God's heart, God's plan, 
until you invite the Spirit of God to show you what only he can show you. Okay? Okay? Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, that's so crucial, but the Spirit of who is from God. That, listen to these closing words, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Yeah. When I was growing up, like I told you a minute ago, I hated waiting on Christmas. Hated waiting on Christmas. But I seem to be waiting on Christmas more and more. But it's in the waiting that it perfects faith in me. There's some people waiting in this room for God to do what he said he was going to do. Simeon's story is a story that reminds us that the wait is worth it. There are people in this room waiting for God's healing, and I would turn to you and say, don't you dare give up now. There are people looking for purpose in God's plan. I would turn to you and say, God's plan is worth waiting on. Don't you dare quit waiting now. Maybe, maybe there's people in this room who didn't know that you could wait. And I would turn to you and say, and in all of my faith adventures, I always thought faith was crossing the finish line. But the biggest faith test for me was not crossing the finish line, but in the process of the journey and the wait. But the wait perfected me. So if we jump back over to the story of Simeon, okay, in verse 34, there's some really cool things that happen. So here's Simeon. And this last and final part I want you to really get, he has waited and waited and waited and waited and waited, and the Holy Spirit led him finally. His position was repositioned as he got up and he went and he saw. And it didn't take him long. Now imagine that. Every day he had gone to the temple, but it was on this day that the Spirit of God instructed him to go to the temple. He had seen baby after baby after baby after baby. But when he saw the baby, Changed everything. Just changed everything. You know, you're going to see a lot of cute things in your life. But waiting on God's best, that's the test. You're going to see a lot of things that look worth holding. It's like you can't wait to, I want to just scoop that up. And I would say this, no, 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 no. If you'd wait on God's best, you'll know when he wants to hand it to you. Come on. And in this story, it shifts. And Simeon was prodded by the Holy Spirit to go to church, go to the, go to the temple. And when he walked in, it says that he saw the child. Now, what I'm about to read, I want you to pay attention because it says that he went over and he did something that angels fear to tread on, okay? Have you ever heard that old story? Did your, your grandpa ever say stuff like that? You, you, you're doing something, boy, that angels fear to tread, which means you're, you're going someplace that angels would be scared to go in. For instance, Here's a mother holding a baby. Don't you ever walk up to a mother and just take the baby out of her hands. Mother bear will come out, okay? And he walks over and he scoops the baby up. And he holds the baby and he sees Jesus, the Messiah. And he turns to Mary and he says these words. I want you to listen to these words very closely, okay? Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for, okay, what do you think he's going to say? Stop. This child is here so that everybody 
can win. This child is here so that we can all get the crown. And he doesn't. He says, this child is here destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. Which means some are going to get it and some aren't. And that's one of those things about Christmas that I think we have to stop and do a yellow warning sign flag beware. Because for many times in our life, we go by what we want instead of what God knows that we need. And in this moment, it, there's not a lot they're going to want what God wants to give them. But the best things can only come from this way. Someone asked me the other day, they said, why does this happen to good people? And nine times out of ten, the answer I have to give as a pastor to many situations is, I don't know. Because honestly, I'd be a fool to try to tell you that I do. I'm, I'm, I'm as human as you guys are, and I'm only equipped with what he gives me. And many times our tests come from the fact that sometimes we don't know, but we have to trust. You have to trust. And a lot of us, the fall and the rising is based on your trust in God. Some people have it, some people don't. And I would turn and say, I'm not hard on the ones who don't have it because there have been times of doubt in my own life. But I also will come to you and say, in as many times as I didn't see how, God has always come through. Every time, without a doubt, God has always come through. There's been some tar dark times in our family. There's been dark times in our, in our immediate family. The boys and Heather and I, there has been victories, there's been failures. There's been times of gray area and I don't know what to do. But... The Christ child, the meaning behind Christmas, will either be the rise or the fall of many faith. Because some people will just turn and say, I don't care what it costs me, I'm going to follow Jesus. And some will say, I can't. The reason why we come to church today is for me to turn to you and say, before you say you can't, I would turn and say, why don't you not put this in your ability and your way, but why don't you see and let God prove that he is real? Yes. Okay? It goes on. It says, Israel, for, this, for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, even a sword will pierce through your own soul. So he's talking to Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's so interesting. So it's this moment to where he turns to Mary and Joseph holding the baby and he says these things. And it's not the glamorous glitter of Christmas that we know. It's the sobering fact of what Jesus causes us all to do, either to believe or not, either to allow our soul to be searched and our thoughts to be weighed. And so I want to do something today. I want you to go home and think, think about two things, okay? And here from what we read today, I want you to think about these two things, and here's the first one, okay? Number one, do you follow Jesus even when it proves costly?
moments, think about this. Do you follow Jesus even if it hurts? And my, my, my comment would be, the pain that I've been through to follow Jesus is worth far more, far more than anything else I could ever pay. It was worth it. He had a plan the whole time. He's not done. And Simeon is this promise that when the Holy Spirit leads, he leads us directly into God's perfect plan. Okay? But for a lot of us, we have to look and do we go by what we want or do we go by what God knows that we need? And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to make Him the path. We're going to make Him the way. Okay? Here's the second thing I want you to think about. Can you hold on to faith through seasons when God makes you wait? What if I turned to you and said, there's no guarantees, but faith in God. There's no guarantees that you're going to get what you want, but I can guarantee this. God will always bring you what you need. And do you have the faith to believe that it's going to be the best and the wait was worth it? There were times in my life that I genuinely did not know this was going to turn out great. Guaranteed. But I had faith that God wasn't done with my story yet. I had faith to know that all good things turn out for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Sometimes, sometimes you have to just simply hold on to your faith in Christ Jesus. You got to wait. There's a cool part in the story where Simeon turns and says, Now, Lord, I can go. And there's going to be a day that you get to let go, that, that you depart from this earth and the struggle is gone. But while we're here, let me just tell you, there's something God wants to do in you. And it's not all about you. There's something that God wants to do in your marriage. And it's not all about your marriage. There's something God wants to do in your kids. And the only way that all these things grow is when we put our faith in God. The other day, Brady did something really cool. Um, Brady uh, and I were driving down the road, and this guy was uh, needing help. And, and Brady said, Dad, go give him a ride. And, but he wouldn't ride with me to go give the guy a ride. And, uh, and, and, but he wanted me to go give, give the guy a ride. And so I, I picked him up, and I took him. And, and when he came back, Brady was so concerned about this guy. And something jumped up inside me. I was mad at him because he didn't stay in the truck with me when I was giving this guy a ride. He was too scared. But when he turned to me and he said, Dad, is the guy okay? I realized he's not the same kid he was when he didn't care when he was a child. And today, he has the heart of caring, even though bravery hasn't, hasn't kicked in yet. And for a lot of people in this room, you need to give yourself some credit. You're a lot more caring, even though you're not, you're a big chicken. When you used to be a big chicken, you didn't care at all. God's at work. 
There'll be a day that the bravery meets the caring. But the Holy Spirit's going to have to bring that out. And you've got to stay where you're at, doing what you're doing, because every day He is building your faith, building your faith, building your faith. Can I have you stand to your feet? In this final closing prayer, I want to pray that God stirs what it is that He wants to do in you. Would you join me and pray? Father, today I pray for my friends. I pray for their Christmas, for their family. And today, Lord, with all of my heart, may we concentrate on being spirit-led. And from spirit-led, we realize that we had an encounter with you where we were spirit-filled. Today, Father, I pray that this would affect us on such a level that we are able to relocate and focus on what you want or what you know that we need instead of us focus on what we want so badly. Let's never forget 1 Corinthians where it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Holy Spirit, today we come to you. And all over this room, we surrender our lives to you. Coach us. Guide us. Direct us. Holy Spirit, I pray that even right now, from the youngest to the oldest, you would speak to us about the things that you know that we need to hold on to, to be steadfast on, to, to have firm foundation, to hold the spot over the things that are distracting us, crying out to our needs and our wants. Lord, speak to our needs, not our wants. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Now listen, the prayer team's coming forward. Let me just, let me just have your attention. Hang on. I'm going to come right over here. And, and this is one of my favorite times of the year to pray for people and salvation. Let me tell you why. I am here today in faith because of something that happened during the Christmas season in our family. My mom accepted Christ as her Savior during Christmas. Yeah. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that Christmas experience. Let me tell you real quick. She started going to church, and the pastor turned to her, and the First United Methodist Church in Artesia and said, Maggie, will you do the kids' nativity play? And, and my mom said, well, sure I will. And so she realized to teach the nativity play, she had to read the nativity story. And she'd never read it before. And the first time she read it, it touched her heart so much, she realized that she didn't know the Jesus that she was reading about. And it was on that day that my mom accepted Jesus Christ as her first Lord and Savior. So that's a cool story. It's just, I love the fact that this time of year changed our family. It can change your family too. And so I'm going to come right over here. I'm going to stand right here. And if you have never, ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would love to pray with you. Cowboy Junction, the prayer team's over here and here, and they would love to pray for you if you need prayer. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you 
ever forget it. God bless you guys and have a great week in the Lord. See you later.